Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ron from the Boxing One Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We've got a really great one today covering the Giannis contract extension, the implications for the East and for the Raptors. And also we're talking about the Raptors 2-0 start in the preseason. It's early, so what does this mean? And also we're going to be talking a little bit of Raptors player development and some of the success that they've had in recent years with that. Also, please check out the most recent episode of Guys Beer Sports. Azam did a guest spot on their most recent episode. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. And finally, make sure you follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Boxing One Pod. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and make sure you click the little bell for any content that we put out. Make sure you're the first one to get it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boxing One. I'm Azam Faruqi. I'm Ron Salgado. And I'm Pramit Bulls. See, we prepped well. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is an interesting show. We actually, last minute, we had to make some changes. Um, we had to turn over our uh, entire line of card this time around. Uh, some interesting uh, news. Um, major news for NBA, uh, the Greek Freak. Uh, signed a Supermax extension with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, it's going to have a ripple effect across the league, uh, what it may mean for the rest of the teams, what it means for the future of the East. Um, so we're probably going to talk a little bit more about that and then um, eventually what it means for the Raptors uh, as an organization and uh, where do they go from here. So, guys, what do you guys think? Well, let, let's let's play the uh, – since I prepared it, let's play the announcement from, from Giannis himself. What up, Bex fans? Uh, this is Yanis, uh, the Greek freak. I'm excited for today. Um, big day today. I'll be uh, here in Milwaukee for the next five years. Um, this is my home. This is my city. Um, I'm excited to be a part of this organization. I'm excited to uh, go to work with my teammate. I'm excited to walk around uh, this city. And uh, it's been amazing, man. It's been amazing. And this uh, show goes on, and uh, let's get it. That's the smile of a man who just got richer by $228 million. And like, so you can't go wrong accepting that deal. From his point of view, you're getting $45 million a year or just over $45 million a year for five years. Like, it was a no-brainer. And I know a lot of people thought that, you know, he might consider something else. But at that amount of money, there's, there's no way. No, not at all. Yeah. So it's all it's all set up. The plan is in place. You will... He will force his way out eventually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's good for the league. You know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start here. I, I think that despite the fact that as Raptor fans, we all were very excited about the prospect of signing him in the summer. I think it is good for the league for a two-time reigning MVP to stay in a small market and not cut bait and run. I mean, not that I've ever had a real problem with any stars wanting out. I mean, that's their right. If they want to go, they want to go. But it's just sometimes it's how it's done that I've always had a problem with. But in this case, it's good. I think it's good because I think that the NBA does have a perception problem of stars wanting to team up, stars leaving smaller markets to go to bigger markets, super teams being formed. So even if this is really just a his plan still isn't to necessarily play the full five years there, but at least stick around a little while longer. 
and take the whole narrative that's going to follow that the team that was supposed to follow the team all season. Oh my God, what's going to happen with Giannis? They lose two games in a row. Oh, Giannis is going to want out, or let's say they get eliminated in the second or third round. The whole Giannis narrative will follow them around. That puts that to bed for at least a year. Yeah, and like, so you you mentioned it right off the bat that he's probably going to force his way out because this is what tends to happen with guys who get these supermax deals. Um, they they don't end up sticking around for the life of the contract. I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable with Giannis's to be honest with you, just because. He's a little bit younger. Um, I, I don't see that production falling off the way it has with some of these guys, like who, like two guys that were just traded for each other, John Wall and, and Westbrook. Like those are those are some tough contracts to move. But I think at the end of Giannis's deal, um, like it, you know, in the last couple of years, if you need to move him, I don't think it's one. Of, it's going to be one of those that's impossible to move. No, he was in his prime. Uh, he is getting better. He still is improving his game every year, and I think that he'll come back even better this year and we'll have a better supporting cast with Drew Holiday around with him, along with Middleton, obviously. And even if he does want his way out, I mean, that's part of the reason Supermax exists is for the team that has the star to set up a way for them to get assets back. So it wasn't just to keep the player in that city, but it's to give that team that has that asset or that has that player the ability to get a good return whereas to and to eliminate that whole oh oh the year before free agency like even the year that raptors had Kawhi, every every, after every game so what's going to happen with Kawhi? what's going to happen is he going to stay is he going to go and i think that just you could argue that it helps the lead because it keeps him in the in the spotlight but it probably doesn't help the market all that much so it, it, it's a it's a win win for all parties, and the deal kicks in after next season, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, with this, what does that do to the Raptors' plans? Because we left all this space open. I mean, people were were moaning about how we didn't do anything uh, this past off season. Not that there was a whole lot to do, but he was the ultimate target. Like that's that's what Masai has been planning for. That's what he's been moving the chips and putting everything in place to get to get that Giannis, that possible Giannis deal done, what does this do to the Raptors' plans for next offseason? Mm, we go on to plan B or C. Um, they're still well set up. They have their picks. They have cap space. They have a younger core and a team of players, a good core of players that if they – want to make a trade players that teams actually want. I mean, they have a lot of guys, they have guys locked up. I'm assuming the next piece of business is the OG extension. So assuming they get that done, him, oh, sorry, OG, Fred, Siakam, uh, that's your long-term core of three. And then whoever else joins that core will have to wait and see. But those are the, the three uh, main guys. And that's a good place to start around, whether you want to get a attract an Oladipo or a Rudy Gobert to come. Those three guys around who can play D will um, definitely, that was definitely will be attractive. And at the same time, if you really want to go for that big fish, a team that has to offload a star would be very interested in any of those guys. So I think they're still well, they're 
well set up to do something and make a splash. It just isn't going to be Giannis. How big of a splash would Kawhi Leonard be? That would be a pretty big splash, although... <laughs> I mean... It's not happening. It's right? obvious. We don't think that's happening, right? It, I mean, never say never in the NBA, but probably not. He wanted to be in California for reasons other than just basketball. I mean, who knows? He could want out and say, all right, uh, Lakers, let's see what we could do. <laughs> so um, if you wanted, there's another team in the same building. So if you wanted to leave the Clippers, <laughs> there's another pretty good team that's right there. So. I mean, again, never say never. Who knows what's going on in his head? But the it was this thinking was that it was more than just basketball. There were personal reasons and family reasons he wanted to be in Southern California. So I don't all of a sudden see him giving that up to come back to Toronto and deal with Winters. I thought maybe it was Space Jam that he was that he was trying to position himself for. Yeah, I don't see. That. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's not. It's definitely not Space Jam. Huh. <laughs> Okay, so plan A for Raptors right now is to sign OG. <clears throat> is it Probably more important be. now that they sign OG? Yeah. Um, and just for the deadline? Yeah, and, and you have some room, right? I mean, uh, you, you might as well get it done right now. I mean, he's he's got to factor into the future. And I, I guess maybe we can talk about OG a little bit later, maybe when we talk about the Raptors preseason. But, um, like, I, I, don't, I don't see a, a point in waiting. I think you run the risk. If you wait on OG – uh, you run the risk of having his price driven up a little bit further. Um, I like I don't know what kind of season he's going to have, but if he has like a like a Brandon Ingram type season that Ingram had last year, then then you know that that price just goes way up. Yeah, even like even if he just again progresses from what we expect him and we you know whatever we expect from him, and if he has a season like that, yeah, absolutely, he's going to be much more expensive, and he's going to be an RFA, right? He'll be an RFA after this year. He's in the final year of his uh, rookie deal, and I, I, I think they, I mean, they, they did it with Siakam last year. So, I mean, he hasn't ha- quite hit the levels that Siakam has yet, bubble notwithstanding. But I, I, I think that that's sort of be, that that's always kind of been Masai's mo is to take care of his guys. I mean, if he trades them later, so be it. But at least they'll get the money um, from they'll, they'll get the money here. So I can see them doing that and having those three locked up. So at least if you're trying to attract a free agent, that's a pretty good threesome to play with. Um, if you want to make a big deal, either one of those three guys are guys that any other team would love to have. And yeah, it makes sense. And if they can save a little bit of money doing it earlier, why not? Yeah, and let's just say this: um, our our dreams of having an Attentacumpo are not dead because Thanasis and Costas are both free agents, so we can still bring one of them in, just not the one we wanted. That's uh, too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Man. Let me ask you guys this question: So, like, I was talking to a couple other people about this, and and they're like. Milwaukee, why would you want to stay there? Would you guys have signed this deal? You can't possibly turn down $45 million a year, can you? He, I mean, he may like it there. Uh, he may be very comfortable there. He may not necessarily want the big city lights. I mean, he doesn't really hang out with the NBA inner circle. I mean, you don't see him 
showing up on the barbershop with LeBron James. You don't show him in the boardroom with KD. You don't see him doing a lot of stuff. So um, he's very quiet. Uh, sorry about that. My bad again. I was looking at the free agents. Yeah. He's auto-playing ads, I swear. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he's definitely different. He doesn't really consider himself part of the inner circle, or at least that's the brand he's trying to create. Again, it could just be uh, waited out a couple extra years, see how it goes with Holiday, and then if it doesn't work, um, maybe there's an agreement with the team to say, hey, give, give us a couple of extra years, and then if it doesn't work, we'll move you somewhere else you want to be. And it's kind of that that Dame play too, right? You know, where where Dame doesn't want to doesn't necessarily want to team up with anybody, uh, kind of wants to do it on his own, and he loves Portland, uh, so just stay in Portland. So th- this might be that same kind of move. The difference, it's really hard to turn down two hundred twenty eight million, like forty forty million dollars a year, right? Like yeah. no matter where you are, I mean, this is beyond life changing. This is like legacy cementing contract, right? So I don't see how you say no to it. Um, would he have still gotten that money somewhere else? Absolutely. But there are always risks in there, right? You can Sorry? He would have gotten money, but he wouldn't have gotten that much. Well, yeah, that that's, much. That's and, exactly. And, and on top of it, I mean, you run the risk of an injury. Anything can happen, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you're getting your money today, why wait? Unless you really hate that place, which didn't seem. But so, okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Raptors here and and that uh, with the preseason and everything. But there were some other teams who were probably trying to line up for Giannis as well next year, right? Um, so I think Knicks were probably one. Um, well, <laughs> like, what, what does it mean for them? And and what does it mean for East in general now? Like they've established themselves as the top team over the next couple of years, at least. You think Milwaukee? I still think so. If, if, if KD comes back as KD, you think I think Brooklyn could be better? I think if, that's a big if. Like I, so just I, I just want to touch on the move now. Was what's that? It's almost two years removed now. It, yeah, it is. It, it's been like 500 and something days since he last played. And like, I know people are going all, all gaga goo goo over, over the nets after like their, their, their initial like playoff game, uh, preseason games. But like, first of all, it, it's preseason. So we, we need to slow down on that. But like, I, I don't know, like how, how long can, even if KD does bring it this year, how, how long does that keep up for? How long does, is he able to coexist with Kyrie? Um, like we don't even know what Nash can bring as a coach. So I, I think that Milwaukee is definitely maybe not at the top perennially, depending on who he's paired with, but they're near the top. I think Giannis himself. I think it keeps them in the top. It keeps them in the conversation. And maybe yeah. even as the one seed, as they've been the past couple of years, doesn't necessarily make them – I mean, it keeps them in the mix. It keeps them yeah. at a point where they're going to continuously want to go for it and find ways to get better. And you're not going to see them make trades for futures. If anything, this validates that massive package they gave to get Drew Holiday. So if that getting Holiday got them 
what was the final move to get Giannis to sign, then it was clearly a worthwhile deal to, deal to make. Hey, man, in terms of are they the best, I don't know. Because, I mean, you have Miami, still very good. Um, I mean, I, 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 do, I am bullish on Brooklyn. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think KD will come back fine. I think even Kyrie will be fine. They're really tight. I think KD is probably one of the few guys that can actually play with Kyrie. And I like Boston. Don't love them. I like them. Obviously, the, the Raptors remain a defensive juggernaut. And the Raptors have the flexibility to do other things. But And Philly is better. I'm not sold, but they're better than they were last year. So, look, to, to answer your question, Azim, I think what really what this what this might do is it, it forces teams to look outside of just free agency in order to change their rosters. So what this might actually do is drive prices up for certain guys in the trade market. Um, it, it's it's definitely going to change that because I know, like, the Raptors, some of the moves they made position themselves to, to kind of be able to fit one of those max, not super max, but one of those max contract guys uh, – onto their team. So now it, it, it's definitely going to be harder because there are a lot of teams who are going to be vying for those, those same guys through the trade market. And it's just going to be who can put together the most interesting package. Um, and and it, it's, it's going to be competitive. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Sorry about the water guys. It's just really, really hot in my condo right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You can turn down the heat. It's off. I don't keep it on, but my building just gets hot sometimes. Oh, okay. All that, you know, Pramit vibes in that, you know. That's that's what it is. He keeps the building warm. <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you keep everything off and it'll get to hit 23, 24, which is really warm. I have to open the window sometime in the wintertime. So, okay. So, we know what East kind of looks like. So, let's go back to Raptors. Um, let's talk about a little bit about their off season, or do we want to talk about Masai first? Like, what does it mean for Masai now? We haven't heard much about his contract. This could have been his, you know, coup de grace. Um, it, does he want to go through another? I, you know? I don't think it means anything. I mean, the guy he was setting up to go make a run for him, so he was setting the roster up for that run next free uh, next year. So I think his intention is to stay. That is if he wants to remain in the NBA. Now this is a guy that could do a lot of other things and all the other big ticket jobs in the NBA are taken unless all of a sudden an owner the Clippers have another disaster and they decide to clean house and make him off and Balmer offers him stupid money. Uh, I think that his intention, if he's going to stay in the NBA is to stay here. And I suspect a lot of what he's doing is just leverage um, making the, trying to get everything he wants out of ML, MLSC, including getting his uh, top lieutenants looked after. I mean, he did announce the Bobby Webster deal and everybody else in the front office. Those deals are almost done. So I think he, I don't think this because I don't think he if his extending here was dependent on Giannis entering free agency that just doesn't make sense to me because Giannis what if Giannis entered free agency and opted to sign somewhere else does that mean okay he's going to like void they're going to void the rest of his deal and leave so I don't think it makes 
much of a difference. I think he, a guy like him has his plan set and I suspect at this point he's more likely to stay. And if he leaves, it will be to do something non-basketball related. So yeah. let me ask, we ask so okay, so that, that's a good question and maybe Ron can answer. So, okay, so not maybe going to another NBA team, but knowing that he's not going to get that big start, can that act as a catalyst to move on to something else a lot sooner than he intended? No, I don't. I don't think so. So really, like, if if you think about Masai and, and how how shrewd a businessman he's been, and and how how well he's he's done in in Denver and here, like, I, I he, the guy's playing three D chess while everybody else is playing checkers or like tic tac toe. He's there's no. I don't think he was banking on on the Giannis deal. I, I think he he fully expected that Giannis could stay or go somewhere else. He's probably got three or four other moves that he's been planning. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure he's got something in mind. And, and I don't think this really this this really changes what he's been doing. I, I think he's probably the type of guy that, you know, he, he's been thinking everything through. And, and whatever he's planning is whatever he's planning. And and something like Giannis staying with the Bucks, there's no there's no way that's that's kind of going to going to going to change his mind. He's not acting like a man who has a foot out the door. No. They're operating that maybe also he's just a solid guy and wouldn't want to risk the long term of the organization for the short term, even if he was leaving. But it doesn't appear as if I, I think in their minds it's status quo. I mean, Nurse is extended. I'm sure that was something that crossed Nurse's mind, even though I'm sure Nurse, the money was very attractive. He's the one to sign the deal and get the money. But I'm sure that came up. I mean, again, all the other people are. Lieutenants Webster, Teresa Resch, Dan Tolzman are all either have been looked after or are being looked after. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still think he's more likely to stay just because I'm looking around the league and where else is he going to – you never know what could happen, but where else is he going to go? Like what other top job is going to open up now? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, it – He's he's got some plan. He knows what he's doing, and uh, this is not changing anything. Yeah, he, did, he They're not the Knicks. They don't have Plan A and only Plan A, and then scramble after that happens. Like they're not <laughs> going to say announce announce without actually announcing that they're going to get Katie and Kyrie, not get either of them, and then have nothing left. Like, they have Plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G all ready to go. They're very mechanical in that regard. Yes, yeah. is it? He's not here. Oh crap! On to the next. I'm sure they're already planning it. Mm-hmm. So I think I, they don't strike me as a front office that makes knee jerk reactions at maybe, all. Maybe if, 10, 15 years ago they would have been like that, but that's definitely no longer the case. Oh, they, they, they've had all years where teams are just loading up and making big, big deals, and other than the year they. Made the offseason, they made the Kawhi trade. They they've never been that team that makes that big move. It's usually Clay's that type deals. Well, they were never in a position right. either, right? In the past, so yeah, this is a little they've different. Their own guys. They've developed guys. They've brought in good bench pieces. They've, mm-hmm. they've developed. Their focus has always been developing their young guys and replace guys internally. And bring in complementary pieces. Really, other than again the Kawhi trade, they've and I guess I mean 
Damari Carroll <laughs> from a few yeah. years back when they yeah. made him an offer, but they've never really they've had t- years where they've had cap space, but they've never really they've never been able to use it. They've never been yeah. in, a, in a real position. Never, to use it. Never, yeah, and now I don't know if they've just never been on the any of the stars that have been free agents have ever had them on their radar, but they just all they operate very differently. They they I think it, they're. Mo has always been develop, develop, develop young guys, and then sign them, and then use them as trade assets because it's. Uh, I mean, it's we're still in Toronto. We're still the only team that's not in America, and that is still an issue for many top guys. Yeah. It's not that they hate Toronto, but they they would say, "Why would I leave?" the country to go to a contending team and contending teams in this country would, in my own country would keep me. I don't have to deal with taxes, the cold, cold, the so, cold air weather border, all that. So what, one last thing on that, before we move on to, to the Raptors preseason is like, I, I I'm, I'm really curious to know how um, COVID and the Raptors not being able to play in Toronto is going to impact uh, free agency next year. Because, you know, if, if I'm a free agent and I'm looking to go somewhere, and Toronto's one of those teams, I might look and say, hey, like, if they're still not playing in Toronto, if I'm one of those free agents, I might look and say, look, I don't I don't know if I really want to go there with the uncertainty of not knowing where I'm going to be living or where I'm going to be playing. Yeah. So it's it, it'll be a factor. I mean, we'll have to see how this vaccine does. Yeah. It really comes down to uh, – Two companies, Pfizer and Moderna. <laughs> That's yeah. really what it comes down to. What 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 ends up happening with that? Yeah. Then again, on the flip side, and then more guys may want to go. Like if they stay in Tampa, more guys would say, "Hey, I'll go and spend." So I mean, we don't know, but knock on wood, this vaccine works, and we get back to some sense of normalcy. I'm sure by next off season, it likely won't be an issue. So let's – should we just move on and talk about our next topic now and talk about the Raptors preseason yeah. a little bit? Yeah. You have me convinced he's not going anywhere. I'm good. That's <laughs> I? Yeah, well, if he goes somewhere, that sucks for me. I made the, I made the prediction. I don't think he's leaving, but <laughs> we'll see. All right. Your predictions haven't always been the best, though. Just, just throwing that out there. I was right on the Denver sleeper pick. That's true. That That is actually very true. I was completely forgot right about that. It was the Jays, the, the the Jays prediction that we all botched. Well, not all. Oh, yes. I was I made the assumption that we were under the old playoff rules. <laughs> that's that's good cover. That's a good cover. So just just moving on to the Raptors. So the Raptors are two zero in the preseason. Uh, they beat the Hornets twice. Um, you know they, they they had their issues. Um, sure, they ended up winning both games. Not that that means a whole lot in the preseason, but they they won one eleven one hundred in the first game, and then the second one twelve one oh nine. Like I, I'm I'm not taking too much from this. Um, the the part that concerns me is that the the starters together didn't look the best. Uh, Baines, I think he's still finding his way. Uh, they didn't have Lowry both games. So, I mean, that, that kind of changes things. And that definitely changes the offense and, and you know, changes the bench. But there were definitely some issues that stood out. Uh, Boucher was another one. What, what are your thoughts on on what you've, what you've seen uh, in the two games? Does it matter? 
full disclosure, I didn't see much of game two. I didn't see a big chunk of game one. I don't think it matters. I mean, if you look around the league, I think like even tonight, um, I was looking at the box score for Houston versus San Antonio. James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, it's preseason. Like, it's funny because guys like Siakam and Van Vliet, and these guys are vets now. These aren't, like, I mean, they're still young, young vets, but they're, they've established their roles. They've established their importance. They've gotten their contracts. Um, they're not going to expose any of their new moves in a preseason game anyways. Star, I mean, star players, for that, especially in this, this season with a shortened off season, Minute, like not a lot of you got what two, three preseason games, anyways. I think it's just for, for them, it's more of a conditioning exercise than anything. So it's a, it's always more interesting to interest interesting to see how the guys who are fighting for roles play because they are actually playing with purpose. So I mean, I Malachi's look great. Uh, Matt Thomas has had his moments as well. I think they will have a nice little bench. A uh, nice little. It may not be the bench one, but a few years ago, but I think they'll have a nice bench, and I think they'll be a good Eastern Conference team again. Um, that's elite defensively. That will challenge most teams, and yeah, I'm not overly concerned one way or another. It doesn't really say much, except that I feel better about the bench than I may have a week ago. Awesome. Two two zero zero and two. Um... Hornets both games. Does any of this matter? No. I don't think preseason ever matters. Yeah, it's it's really as simple as that. The one thing that I'm super excited about, and this is the guy that I was I was hyping up before the draft. I I wanted I wanted the Raptors to take him. I wanted him on the team. Uh, Malachi Flynn has just has looked great. Now, Bremen, I know you you didn't see a lot of the second game. He looked great in the first game too. Uh, he's averaging, I think, 13 points. Um, Fred's leading the leading the team in like, you know, I think he's got 16 16 points in like 17 minutes or something like that. But Malachi Flynn, I'm, I'm just I'm playing a clip of of what, what we've seen from him so far. It's it's not just it's it's not the offense that that really is what it has impressed me. It's that defense, like you saw in that first one where um, where where he he had that steal on on ball, and you know, steals aren't really a good 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 way to to judge somebody's defense but like he can stay in front like he's he's he, I remember there was one sequence where he contested in the lane and he got right out and contested at the three-point line uh I I think what he's showing right now um it really excites me not because he can he's shooting and he's doing stuff right on the offensive end it's the fact that his defense is solid is is far beyond solid where he's going to be able to stay on the court even if he's not producing offensively which you know it's probably going to happen he's he's a rookie he's he's young but his defense is going to keep him on the court cuz he can he can guard i've been so impressed with him I, he's he's exceeded all my expectations and i'm sure a lot of the expectations of 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 anybody at the club like he's he's been great so far i think that teams that passed him up are probably already regretting letting him get down to 29 you know he's Looks like he can be a very good NBA player, and to get that that late in the draft is very, very good. 
Um, he plays like he doesn't care. And whereas at times rookies seem very hesitant. I mean, even if pre, I mean, this is preseason again. So, um, we always have to take everything with a grain of salt, but he does, he doesn't, he just plays. He doesn't overthink. He doesn't hesitate. He's just, just gotten into the rhythm of the game and just goes for it. He's not afraid. Doesn't seem to be overwhelmed. Maybe it's because there's no crowds. I don't know. Like the crowd noise isn't really bothering him, but who knows? But um, he looks like a, just a cool cucumber out there. And that's uh, really good to see. And which brings me to my next point about, I mean, it's clear that the Raptors draft strategy, especially as they've been picking late in all these years under Mr. I, except for the proto pick, um, which they got in the Barniani trade. Uh, they have a very interesting approach. I mean, I was reading this once about how they're not picking the one-and-done guys. They're taking guys that have had at least two to three years and have, have taken the time to develop in a program because that's what they do with these guys when they get here. Uh, they sort of they bring them along every single year. They almost run their own little college program. Like you're a rookie. In many cases, you are on the bus between G League and the main roster. Then in that second year, you start to get more prominent minutes. And then the third year, you're a solid rotation guy. And then yeah, in the case of like Fred and Pascal, guys that are like top tier players who are now being paid big money. So I read that teams, when you draft one and done guys, there's always that pressure on these one and done guys to come in. And if they fail for whatever reason, teams don't want to, teams are quick to give up on them. Whereas I think with like when you're drafting guys later, knowing that you're not expecting them to hit a home run right away, you can afford to be more patient with them, even if they are a little bit older. So, so why would teams give up on those guys? I can understand not drafting them because you can make an argument that these guys have played in a couple of years, not being those top you know, prospects. So playing in a system for a couple of years, three years, makes sense. They get polished. But if you're shipping someone to G League for the first year and you know just bringing them in a little bit later... Why would teams quickly give up on, uh, on a one and done, one and done guys? When you're most one and done guys are lottery guys. You're, you're gonna you're excited about the youth and the upside, but you're also looking for immediate impact. And if you whereas when the Raptors draft a guy because they're already a very good team, they don't have a problem putting a guy in the G League for a year or having him split time between the GB and the back of the main roster. They don't have an issue um, redshirting a guy and developing him. But, like, we always see the player just not playing a lot. But the truth is that they're actually getting a lot of development time. Again, they're getting those GB minutes as well. And knowing that the expectation is lower because they weren't that top-tier pick, they're willing to – Hey, we're playing with house money anyways. We'll just put in the time. What do we have to lose? This is this is like the Spurs strategy from from years ago, where you know they didn't need anybody to come right in and 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 have an immediate impact. They could afford, in some cases, to to leave them in Europe, uh, let them learn a little bit. And and so I've I've been listening to a to a I highly recommend this podcast if you're a, if you're a soccer guy, uh, if you're a, a U.S. soccer fan. Um, I, I recommend it even more. It's about Freddie Adu. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was a he was a phenom at the age of fourteen, mm-hmm. and 
flamed out 15 years later, had like uh, 14 clubs in 15 years or something, something crazy like that. And what ended up happening uh, when, when you kind of look at it and you listen to what they're saying is, you know, he didn't have enough time to learn. Positionally, he wasn't able to grasp, grasp things. He had all the skill in the world, which is the same, the same with some of these one and done guys. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you're not standing in the right spot and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in a, in a team construct, you're, you're going to fail. You're useless to a team, especially when you have a general manager or a coach who's on a short leash anyways. So you, you can't, some, you can't afford to, to wait around and wait around for these guys to start producing at the level that you expect because your job is on the line. So that's, and I think that's what happens with a lot of these guys is, you know, a coach says, this guy's not helping me right now. I need to put in the next guy, Stanley Johnson, a guy on our roster, perfect example, all the physical attributes. He just, he just doesn't, he's not able to put it together within the construct of the team. He's had many opportunities and he just hasn't been able to do it. And that's why I like their strategy of of taking some of these guys who like Malachi Flynn was, was a, was a defensive player of the year and player of the year in his conference. Yes, some people may say it's it's not it's not a it's not a top conference, but you know he he still played against very good competition, and he 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 was seasoned. He had you know all all his years in in college, and he and he learned. He that and that's the thing about him. They they keep comparing him to to like a Fred Van Fleet type, where you know he he's able to. It, it's his willingness to learn, his attitude, and and that's the thing with some of these guys is, is that you're you're a lot of like you're missing that the key thing, which is. You know, being a gym rat and getting in there and wanting to learn and wanting to improve yourself, which which the guys that the Raptors end up drafting always have this. Pascal, perfect example. Pascal, yeah, he had a terrible, terrible playoff last year. He knows it, and he's not scared to address that. He'll say it right in front of everybody. I I I had a terrible season, and I'm not I'm not happy with myself. And he's coming back this year. People were were flaming him on Twitter, saying, "Trade this guy." Are you kidding me? After after one quarter in the preseason, people wanted this guy out. Like, where's your head? You, you can't you can't give up on these guys because like pa- Pascal was was a late pick and he still panned out to something. And this guy is still going to improve. I have all the faith in the world in Pascal. So let me ask this: Is it also because when you're someone who spent a couple of years at the college level, you're not a one and done guy. You kind of also know. You're a little bit more realistic about your chances and what your role in the NBA might look like as well, right? I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Is it also because these guys probably feel that they can't take anything for granted? They're not expected to be those it guys. And maybe, you know what? I have to put this time in and I'm open to the idea that I might start my career in G League. That and it, yeah, they, I think that's a big part of it that they just, they don't care. They want to play hard. I don't think that they, they play hard. They play smart. They don't take anything for granted because they may not have been like the sexy McDonald's All-American guys. They may not have been the sexy AAU players. And because they stayed in a program for an extended period, they actually learned the nuances of a program. Whereas a lot of other guys... The one-and-done guys, they get there for a year and they just want to get them to showcase themselves. I mean, not everybody. I mean, you have places like Kentucky where the one-and-done guys, are. Just, it's the best place to be from a development standpoint. But their goal is to showcase themselves and 
get as high, picked as highly as possible and get that money. Whereas a lot of these other guys have to learn the nuances of the game, learn about, as Ron said, knowing where to stand, where to move, what, how to, what schemes to run when, and just instinctively getting it that, whereas a lot of the one and done guys have to got away with their pure athleticism. But when you get to the NBA, your brain is just as important. I mean, yeah, and- is a physical freak, but that guy has an IQ that's beyond anybody in the league. So it goes hand in hand. Yeah, and I saw. I I don't know who it was. There was there was an ex NBA player who made a comment about uh, when players go down to the G League, guys that are that are down there, and this has happened in the past where you know there's somebody who's lighting up the G League, scoring you know 25 points per game, 30 points per game. Um, the, these guys go down there and think that they have to be the man on the team. But when you think about it, when you're coming up to the NBA team, that's not your role. So some of these guys do, aren't able to understand that role. And the Raptors guys, Fred Van Vliet, I remember seeing his first game in the G League. He understood what the Raptors needed him to be. Chris Boucher understood what the Raptors needed him to be. Like it, there, there's just an understanding with some of these guys where, you know, th- there are guys who, you know, have had, had, had everything handed to them where they think I'm going to be the man, but you know, reality is that you're, you might not be the man when you get to the NBA and, and the Raptors guys have a, have a, have a good understanding of that. Mm-hmm. They work ethic, IQ. Those, uh, those can make, I think, as we learned, those, that can make up for just pure athleticism and talent. That said, I mean, if you get talent, <laughs> you got to get it and take it because it's hard to find guys who can do certain things. But, yeah, they're, that's how they should remain competitive. And, I mean, they've drafted so well. Like, name it, since besides, they've made the playoffs every year. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like they had, there were no eighth seed years. They've been a top four team in the East every single year since 2013. You only have one player that's been here through the whole time, and that's Kyle Lowry. And they haven't signed any top tier free agents. So how did they do that? It's by drafting and developing. And when they've traded their guys, like they look at it, they got they got Marcus All in a package for with that included Delon Wright. They got Kawhi in a package that included Pirtle who I still think will be a very good player as a good defensive uh, good defensive center. Um, so they, yeah, I mean, they, they've they kept the right guys. They've traded the right guys. Really the only one that hadn't panned out is Bruno. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw him, but he had, I, I saw his first preseason game. I don't know how he did in the next one, but uh, he, 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 like, he was playing center. He actually looked pretty good. He was giving Wendell Carter Jr. a tough time. That's interesting. He was playing center, which which is a little bit strange, but I I think he he might be at at what like this is this four years? No, is this is probably a little bit longer than uh, I can't remember year. how long. Six years. He was drafted six years ago, man. Is this his year, or did he's we already? Five years old now. He's not like that teenager, that skinny teenager that came out of Brazil anymore. See. And that's one of those guys. So when I, I remember seeing when I think I was at his first G League game too, or one of them, and the, he looked completely lost on the court. Uh, and I always said it like he, he can't figure out what he needs to do. He's not. He's not going to be anything. I can see it right away. And it's tough to teach that. 
And and the Raptors have, have done so well because they're bringing these guys in. They don't have to spend time teaching them what to do on the court. But, I mean. And yeah. yeah. No, I mean, another thing they've done is that they've sent guys that were assistant coaches on the main staff down to the G League to be G League head coaches. Yeah. So, I think now, now they've switched Jama and Patrick Matombo. Yeah. I think Matumbo's getting that. It's also a good way to develop future head coaches. I mean, they had Stackhouse, who was on the uh, – was one of uh, Dwayne Casey's assistants before taking the 905 job for a couple of years. So, no, they have a it, they have a system in place. So, it's a development program for coaches as well. And the man, coaches are mandated to get guys ready to play on the main roster. And they play a lot of the same schemes when – assuming that they have a similar enough roster with types of players to do so, but it's all to get the, get guys ready to play on the big stage. Yeah. So the, the Raptors are going to play their last game on Friday against the heat. Uh, the interesting is, and I wanted to get your, your take on this. They're, they're allowing 3,800 fans in the arena. Uh, any thoughts on that? I, I, I don't know. So here's the, here's my take. I've seen uh, other sports incorporate fans in some shape or form, and we really haven't heard of any major disaster. Having said that, the, those have mostly been outdoor sports uh, inside an arena. I don't know. Still kind of looks seems like a risk, but uh, hey, what do I know? I've been at home since March, so. I don't know. Uh, like, we had that situation with uh, in the NFL with the Chiefs, where there was that uh, an outbreak. Yes, fans in the you know, opening week. I think having fan any that level of mass convening of people indoors in Florida, where it's just been a complete mess from day one. Uh, yeah, I think it's crazy. Personally, I don't think the revenue you get from having thirty five hundred fans is worth that risk. I I agree. I don't see. I don't see the point. I mean, you get something out of it, but I I don't know. I wouldn't do it. No, me neither. Right? I mean, and and the places you see, like, I mean, I think we were talking. I don't know if I spoke last episode or I was just talking to you guys. I mean, I saw an India-Australia cricket match with was almost full house in uh, Melbourne, but they took care of the virus a lot better than uh, the rest of the Western world. So there's something to be said about that. New Zealand lifted all their lockdowns because now they're claiming they're virus-free. So again, that's a very different story, right? If they allow fans to flock in. Um, I saw Liverpool over the weekend play. Was it this weekend or last? They played the first game at home with fans. Uh, certain cities uh, um, in UK are allowed now to have a s- certain number of percentage of fans. I don't know what. I, I saw a few games, uh, I think, in the Champions League or stuff, or was it the UEFA Super Cup, I think, uh, earlier in the season where I saw some fans. Um, NFL's doing that. Uh, we're starting to see. It's just, but this is like Florida. This is like, yeah, like you well, said. You guys said I mean, that's one of the hotbeds, right? So They're 9.6% positive uh yeah exactly one out of every 10 people you see will have covid in florida and but in their minds it's not a hundred so it's okay (laughs) well 90 percent do not have it so you know right i'm just joking by the way so uh but in any case um 
what's the average ticket price? Like, is it really worth putting 3,500 people in there and risking everyone? I'm, I'm not clamoring for live sports so much that I need to go to one of these games. So, like, I don't know what they're charging. I've seen other places, I think, like, I don't know if it was, like, a wrestling event or something where they were charging, like, 14 bucks for people to go. Yeah, let's say it's $25 on average price. For 35 that's $87,500 in ticket gate revenue. Uh, and then obviously whatever concessions you get from that. But really, for the NBA, let's say it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. You're getting more money from the TV anyways. Just just take the TV money. That's enough. Like I don't, I don't know who's... You have to have staff in the arena too, right? So some of this has to go to cover the staff. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're just trying to pay their lighting bill. I don't know. Or I think just for, for the fan, like players' sake, I don't know, maybe players feel that it's really too... I, I don't know. It is strange. I'll, I'll, like, I, I will probably 3,500. It may not be 3,500, but you might get 500 staff members and they can make a lot of noise. Just put them in there. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I've... It is weird to see some of these games. I, I saw, like, we were talking about this before. And it was uh, like in a Duke, a Duke game against Illinois, and and normally Cameron Indoor Stadium is one of the one of the rowdiest places in college basketball. And I, I saw their game where they had nobody in the stands, and it was like you could. It was weird. Uh, I, I don't know. So I guess maybe that's it. Create a little bit of atmosphere, but I don't think the atmosphere is worth it. I mean, that's no. what, let's say you. Uh, revenue revenue wise, you get two hundred thousand a home game. That's seven point two million for the season. For the NBA, uh, for a team to make seven point two million, really to risk your players and your staff. Well, at least for DJ Augustine's salary, if you're Milwaukee, <laughs> done. Yeah, done. Is Milwaukee no. even having fans right now? No, uh, I'm just I saying. I, uh, so. I don't know. I had the salary cap open, so that's why. First one. One <laughs> of the states that have the high case counts that are having fans. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, sometimes I kind of get confused when we talk about whether we spoke about it in one of the previous episodes or whether we talked about it in our WhatsApp group. So for our listeners, viewers, uh, we're very soon going to make an account on Patreon. And if you feel that you want to be an insider, we can add you on that WhatsApp group if you support us. So stay tuned. That, that would be cool. That would be cool to listen to hear some of these people because nobody's reached out to us. We've been telling them to reach out to us, like all, all these listeners in Europe. Like I, I haven't heard from anybody. Hey, we added another European country, by the way. Just uh, let me just bring it up. I think it was Denmark. Did I talk about Denmark before? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I think we have. talked about Denmark. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we have like. I know somebody from Denmark. He was in my MBA. Oh, they're right? trans now. But I don't have him on any social media, so I don't know. Really, I don't think it would be him. Okay, I know, we're, so we're, we're worldwide now. So, uh, boys, any anything else to add before we uh, before we sign off? Um, that's it. I just have a couple of questions for you, Ron, and um. We didn't really discuss this, but when you mentioned that podcast and soccer, two questions come to mind. Sure. So Barca's playing PSG in the round of 16. Is that the end of the road for them this year? Yeah, I think so. I, they, they shouldn't have started the season. I, I've, I've heard that they haven't even, like, Messi hasn't even really began, began to explore 
uh, any other going to any other clubs. I'm I'm worried about this club's future. I don't like. It's good that they're playing some of the younger guys, but things have not been looking good. So that's the end of the road for sure. And and I know, I mean, it's only 13 games in the season, but could this be the year when you might have only the fifth time, I think, in this century where a team not Barcelona or Real Madrid might win the La Liga? I think so. And I think you're seeing it across across a lot of leagues. Um, Spurs are the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I think Germany's still. I haven't, I haven't been paying attention lately, but I think Germany, Germany's probably still Bayern up, up at the top. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know, but I've. So there's something interesting someone mentioned to me that in all the f- major European leagues right now, the team that's at the top of the table is actually playing Europa this year. I, but I, like, I, I know I've been looking at some of the tables, and and there hasn't been that big spread that I've, that you you'll normally see. In, no. in prior season. So I don't know if that, I mean, that might be COVID related, you know, people missing games and things, but. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's, uh, Leverkusen that's at the top in Bundesliga. Yeah. AC Milan in uh, Italy, Spurs in England. And uh, who's leading La Liga right now? Sociedad, right? Uh, I, I haven't checked in a while, man. Like I, yeah. I've, I've been so checked out from that right now because it, it just hurts to see Barca that way. It is pretty painful. I think that's a good note to end our show today. Yeah, in my misery. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you um, liked us, please uh, share the podcast or the YouTube video. Please subscribe to our channels. Uh, provide us with a rating uh, on any platform you're listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can see the ticker at the bottom, Box in One Pod. Um, and if you subscribe on uh, YouTube, click the bell icon, uh, anytime you have a new up, uh, episode up, uh, you'll be notified. So thank you very much for all your support. Uh, it's, uh, been a lot more successful than we imagined. So really appreciate everyone's uh, support there. Yeah. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>